God, you have heard this prayer this morning. And we pray by your grace that you would create in us a heart after your own heart. This morning we have gathered as community. We've gathered around the deep well of your amazing love. We have received from your table. And now we pray that you would fill us even more with your word, that we might take the love and the grace of this place to a world that is thirsty, to a world that's looking for a place of peace. Nurture our souls that our souls might be strong enough for the needs of your world. Amen. It may seem a little bit early in the morning to be talking about ice cream, but how many of you are ice cream lovers? All right. (laughs) Even this time of the morning? Well, I have a question for you. Do you know where your ice cream cone is? Now, that may seem like an odd, crazy, silly, bizarre question, but it was not a bizarre question for a customer at a Haagen-Dazs store in Kansas City. She'd gone up to the counter, she'd ordered her ice cream cone, they were serving it to her, and about that time, she felt all the energy in the room right behind her. And she turned around, and there was Paul Newman standing right behind her in this ice cream store. He was filming a movie in Kansas City. Now, she had never been around a celebrity before, and it completely freaked her out. At that moment, she forgot about ice cream. She forgot where she was. She forgot who she was. She was so flustered, she, she paid for her bill, and she, she ran out of the haagen store saying to herself, I can't believe I just met Paul Newman. I can't believe I just met Paul Newman. And then she realized she didn't have her ice cream cone. <laughs> she started to turn back around to go into the store to get her ice cream cone when Paul Newman walked right up to her and said, are you looking for your ice cream cone? She said, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and before she could say anything, he said, Uh, you put it in your purse along with your change. (laughs) Now, we all know what it's like to be distracted sometimes. In the case of this customer in Kansas City, it meant a messy purse. She probably had to throw the thing away unless it was a Gucci or something. I'm sure she had professionally cleaned. But losing her ice cream cone is one thing. Getting distracted over something like that is one thing. But how about what we're distracted from has soul value? What if we get so busy and so distracted that our relationship with our beloved begins to go stale? Or what if we get so busy and distracted that we find ourselves slowly growing numb in our relationship with God. Distraction. It's what's happening in today's scripture when we see the story of Jesus, Mary, and Martha. In this story, we see Martha running around frantically preparing for a meal with Jesus. He's there, but she is distracted by trying to get that meal into perfect order. In the meantime, she looks over and sees Mary sitting there at the feet of Jesus. And her reaction is, why do I have to do all the work? 
She actually says to Jesus, don't you care that all of this responsibility is on me? Why don't you tell my sister Mary to help me? And Jesus' response is, Martha, Martha, you are bothered and worried about so many things. Mary knows the good part, the necessary thing. Do not draw her away from where she is at this moment. You are distracted by all the stuff going on around you. Now in this scripture there's one thing to note. She's distracted really by good things. She's distracted by wanting to present the best meal possible for Jesus. That's why distraction can sometimes be so subtle. Sometimes we are distracted just with our desire to do really well on our job. Sometimes we're distracted by trying to serve other people. And oftentimes that's what happens in the context of the church. We are called to do ministry. We are called to serve. And yet sometimes in that very calling and in that very service, we become overwhelmed and distracted. And we find ourselves losing that first love in the name of what's good. What is the calling in this? The calling is to find the good part. The good part that Mary found. And how do we find the good part? It's moving from our time to God's time. And knowing the difference between the two. Martha was living on Martha's time. Mary was living on God's time. What is God's time like? What is the power and the joy of knowing God's time? The story of Mary, Martha, and Jesus teaches us that we are called to live on God's time. When living on God's time, we nurture our souls in the presence of Christ. Then we nurture to do God's work with renewed energy and focus. We may be tempted to segment our lives into God's times versus busy times. Yet our call is not to find time for God. Our call is to find God's time in all our time. If we are in Christ, then Christ fills us every moment of the day and night. In everything we do, we are finding Christ and serving Christ. We don't take time off from being with Christ any more than our hearts take time off from beating. At this exact moment, on an ordinary October Sunday, we are as fully immersed in God's time as when we're singing Silent Night on Christmas Eve or proclaiming Christ is risen on Easter morning. When we all see time as God's time, we should be prepared to be surprised by God even when we're at rest. And that's the difference between Mary and Martha. Mary was ready to be surprised. She saw a moment beyond all moments. Jesus was there. She desired to be present to Jesus at that moment. 
and even something as ordinary and as necessary as eating became secondary to the soul feeding that Jesus offered at that moment. Now what Janice described here sounds wonderful. Let's just all live on God's time. On God's time we have all the time we need. In God's time we already have one foot in eternity. Wonderful. Wouldn't it be wonderful to live every moment knowing that the presence of Christ was right with us? Sounds great, but how do we do that when we're driving and somebody cuts us off? How do we live on God's time when we're facing that deadline, when that project is due? The challenge is recognizing God's time in all time, and that includes the stressful time. Recognizing God's time in all time. Can you recognize God's time while participating in a tense, humorless confrontation between coworkers? Can you recognize God's time while answering the same question for the tenth time in a class full of fifth graders? Can you recognize God's time while you're surfing the internet? Can you recognize God's time while attempting to prepare a dinner, hold a teleconference on the phone, and keep that cat from throwing up on the carpet? <laughs> And that's the challenge that is our life. Living on God's time in crazy time. Living on God's time in chaos time. Living on God's time every moment. Living on God's time is a way for our souls to be healed. So I was looking at this scripture today. I found myself thinking back to my ministry in Richmond, Virginia. And one Sunday morning during a prayer time, we had a first-time visitor who came that Sunday. And I noticed that throughout the service, every time we would sing or read a scripture, he would begin to weep. I wasn't sure what was going on in his heart. And even though I didn't know his name, I began to silently pray for him during the service, even while we were singing and reading scripture, and even while I was preaching. That morning, we had a prayer time, and he came forward. He came to me. And I simply said, welcome to MCC Richmond. How could I pray for you today? And I will never, ever forget his words. He said, I want my soul to be well. I want my soul to be well. We all have soul needs. And even though I was not present for that conversation between Jesus and Mary, I think that's what was happening there. I think he was looking into her heart and seeing the places where she was too busy. I think Jesus was looking into her heart and seeing the places where she was distracted. I think in that moment when Mary was at the feet of Jesus, her soul was becoming well. And what could be more important? The question this scripture presents this morning is, how is your soul today? Do you find your soul being nurtured and upheld and strengthened? And if not, how can that happen? How can you begin to move from your time to God's time? It's through the presence of Christ. And this morning, I 
don't want us to just talk about the presence of Christ. I'd like us to experience the presence of Christ. Even this morning, you see that along the walls, we have the waters represented. The invitation this morning is not just to stand along the well, but to dip into the well and drink. In the quiet of this place, I invite us to do that. And in preparation for that, I've asked Reverend Janice to read this passage about the meaning of the presence of Christ. To nurture our souls in the presence of Christ is to heal our souls. When we nurture our souls, we are then sustained when the going gets rough. And we know it will get rough. We will face weariness, frustration, and doubt. Nurturing our souls is much like a physical training. The long-distance runner must deal with the hills as well as the valleys. The hills are difficult, yet they make one strong. If we can welcome the hills, we will know that they will be followed by the valleys, and we will be learning something about the healing of our souls. In the presence of Christ nurturing our souls, we find true soul satisfaction. In the presence of Christ nurturing our souls, we learn the value of what is happening right now. In the presence of Christ nurturing our souls, we engage fully in the rich, dense, prolific dance of life. In the presence of Christ nurturing our souls, we take the long view and that close look, seeing more deeply and truly. In the presence of Christ nurturing our souls, we become steadfast and sturdy. In the presence of Christ nurturing our souls, we find our way home. I invite you to take just a moment now to become still, to become silent. Part of the beauty of this service is that we can spend that moment of reflection at the well. Take this moment right now to find yourself in this scripture today. Go ahead and place yourself in that scripture, sitting alongside Mary. As you're present there, you look over and you see Martha putting down the pots and pans. And she comes and she joins you. It's you, it's Mary, it's Martha. And in this place, you see Jesus gently take your hand. Feel the strength of that hand. Feel the love of that hand. Without even telling him, he knows what's going on in your life. He knows the places where you're hurting. He knows the places where you're busy. He knows the questions for which you're seeking answers. He knows everything about you. And he knows the places in your soul that are longing to be well. As he takes your hand, you feel that strength. You feel love like you've never felt before. And you know it's more real than anything you've ever experienced. 
in the presence of Christ, your soul is nurtured. Your soul becomes well. Lingle, linger for a moment in that powerful presence. God, we thank you so much for your amazing love. And we thank you for that powerful presence of Christ that nurtures our souls. In the busyness of our lives and in the busyness of being a church, help us to discover that presence and live more deeply. And help us more often to move away from the clocks and the beepers, the timekeepers, into your time, your timeless, eternal time. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on us as individuals. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on this, your church. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on your world. And hear the prayers of your people who pray. Amen.